Welcome to Agent Globe, a podcast about career, community, and culture. We're your hosts. I'm Jackie. I'm April. And I'm Jojo. Today's special guest is Roger Ma, a skincare influencer with over 400k followers and millions of views on TikTok. We'll be diving in on how he got started, what he thinks of our skincare routines, and the challenges of content creation in such a niche field. I actually met Roger through college and it's amazing seeing his growth within the past few years. So welcome Roger. We're so excited to have you today. Do you want to do a quick introduction? Hi, I'm Roger. I'm a student and I'm studying marketing and business administration. And I also have experience working in the beauty industry for a Korean beauty agency. And so basically I've combined my marketing and beauty knowledge and experience to start content creation on TikTok. And I remember you first got started working at Nature Republic, right? Was that kind of like the start of the interest in skincare and blowing up to where you are now? Yeah, I guess we all had like a skincare routine, right? But it wasn't until I worked sales at Nature when I started to learn about ingredients and started really understanding more about how skincare works. And I did do a little bit of social media when I was working at Nature. And that's kind of how I got introduced into like marketing and skincare and then got really deep into it. And then when did you slowly build your TikTok career? And what was that feeling when it started to blow up? Well, I downloaded a TikTok in like March or like February, right? You know, when like things closed down and like we were all bored. And then I don't know why. I don't know why I felt compelled to just share this (laughs) one thing that I learned at Nature. I was like, no, I don't know. Like maybe people will be interested. So I just like made a video talking about this one product at Nature Republic. And then it like didn't get a lot of attention, but it did gain some attention. And I was like, okay, like people seem to be interested in listening to me talk about skincare. Like, And they were asking me questions about other products at Nature along with other Korean beauty products. So I just like kind of posted my feelings about those. And I saw that there was a reaction and I was like, okay, I'll just keep doing this and see what happens. And then a lot has happened. (laughs) And so that's kind of where I am now. When you say a lot has happened, like you turned yourself now into a skincare influencer. What does that really mean to you? Do you even consider yourself to be an influencer or a content creator? Oh yeah, yeah, content creator. Yeah, like um, <laughs> I just think that yeah. like just because like when you gain a substantial following in such a short amount of time, there's definitely that feeling of imposter syndrome. Like, mm-hmm. why are these people following me? Why are these people listening to me? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not a dermatologist. I'm not an esthetician. Like, I'm just a boy who's into skincare. Yeah. And and you feel this pressure that like, oh my God, I don't know why people are listening to me. This is so weird. And then like, I get DMs on Instagram, like, oh my God, I bought this product because you mentioned it. It really worked out for my skin. And I'm just like, oh, really? I didn't know people actually bought the things that I (laughs) talked about. Like, that's so weird. And so that was part of realizing like, oh, wow, like I am influencing people's skincare routines because like I didn't realize just casually mentioning a product ends up leads to somebody buying it. Of course, like a big signifier of growth is having the opportunity to work with brands and doing sponsored posts and doing like content creation for brands. That's definitely been really fun and something that such a learning experience, I think, but has been really fun at the same time. And of course, it's good to be able to still generate some income from like doing content creation. That's a huge plus. Do you feel pressure as a quote unquote influencer when you are doing these brand partnerships to really like fluff up the product you're using? Because I did notice that you were super authentic in your review of, I forget what brand, it was the Gen Z brand, Topicals. Mm -hmm. You were super authentic saying like, you know, while these products didn't work for me, I still really support their mission and everything they stand by. So like, what do you think is the balance there? Yeah. And one thing that was like really interesting is that Topicals actually reached out after I posted that video because I've been in contact with them before. And they're like, oh, thanks for the review. We actually have reformulated our faded so that it it doesn't smell as much. Like we want to send it to you. (laughs) So like you can have an updated review. And I'm just like, oh my God, like this is why I love this brand so much just because they're so committed to like their creators and their customers and their products and stuff. And Mm -hmm. oh yeah, and then it came in the other day and it really doesn't smell. So (laughs) I can't wait to start using that and see what happens. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I feel like I've built my brand off being authentic and like kind of communicating to my audience in a direct, humorous, kind of like an authentic way. And so that's definitely something I'm really upfront about. Like when I'm talking with brands, I'm like, hey, like your product does this. And I'm going to mention that. (laughs) And like, so just to make sure we're on the same page and and I explain to them because like, it's not like I'm going to trash your product. Obviously, I'm not going to let a company pay me to advertise a product that I absolutely hate. But like, you know, I feel like, oh, maybe Mm -hmm. this isn't good for people with sensitive skin, but it's fine for me or it's fine for people with dry skin and and Mm -hmm. vice versa or 
I'll share those little things just to make sure that it's not like an app just because like that's not my style and I like to make my ads kind of like storytelling. I like brands that are communicative with that or responsive and open and willing to do those type of things. Usually when they aren't and they're, they have really strict guidelines, I'll just be like, oh, like maybe this isn't the right fit at this time then because that, mm. that won't be good for either of us, right? I wonder if there's a difference between brands founded by Gen Z creators, because I know Topicals was founded by two Gen Z women of color. So I think it'd be interesting to hear if you've also experienced other brands reaching out to kind of like correct anything that you pointed out being wrong with their product. No, like I've never had a brand reach out and be like, oh, why did you post this review about it? (laughs) Like I've had even Coco Kind and Coco Kind isn't founded by a Gen Z, but they are a newer brand, I guess, right? And I had posted a review about their products and I did say something about one of their masks not smelling too good as well. I'm just really sensitive to smells and skincare. Like if it doesn't smell good, I can't use it. And that's why like, I kind of have a bone to pick with this whole fragrance free movement because they're kind of making all of our products smell like shit. Mm. I can't (laughs) can't use it, like it doesn't smell good. But they still kept in contact with me even after they didn't mention it. But like, there are some brands if you say something and then you had been in contact with them before, like in terms of a PR relationship, they stop contacting you. But it's like, that's fine. You know, it's like, oh, I think at the beginning, you don't want to, especially when it's like a PR relationship, you're like, oh my God, this company's sending me PR. Like, I'm not going to say, I'm going to like only say good things about their product. And then like, as you do it more and more, like you start to realize like $30 worth of product isn't worth my authenticity. It's not worth my words. Mm. So now I just say what I think. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love that because I've seen a lot of YouTubers at the end of the review, they'll be like, oh my gosh, Kylie's PR team, please don't stop sending me kits. And I'm like, so what if they stop sending you kits? She's sending you like $5 ColourPop ripoff products. Sorry if you like love Kylie skin, but this is just my own opinion. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wouldn't say that like I'm in love with Kylie skin as a brand. There are just particular products that I like from Kylie yeah. skin, like the lip gloss that I'm wearing right now. But like <laughs> there's a separation, I think, between liking a brand and liking their products. If, for example, with Topicals, love their brand, but to just not like using that particular product. And I think that comes from like having a marketing background and evaluating companies on like how they're branding themselves and the, how they're executing their marketing strategies and then how their actual products pair up. Totally. What I really like about how you take your approach on all your TikToks is the very authentic self, especially with our social media platforms. There's Instagram where it's very picture perfect. And then TikTok, I really like the app just because it's the mundane stuff. There could be a TikTok of just someone seeing the skyline and it has like 6 million likes. (laughs) But I'd love to know like what made you choose TikTok as your main source of I want to build my following here than sourcing out to Instagram, YouTube and other social media platforms. Mm -hmm. We'll definitely do want to start getting into Instagram and YouTube just because I want to diversify my content, <laughs> but I'm waiting until I'm done with school. So I actually have more time to like manage multiple social media channels. But the reason that I chose to focus on TikTok and do growth on TikTok first is just because first, I really like video content. Like I like talking. Instagram is nice, but it's very... Like picture with product. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I just feel like ads are so obvious on Instagram and I don't like writing that much. So <laughs> I just like talking <laughs> and like expressing my thoughts and... And I feel like sometimes I have an advantage with my voice because people find it welcoming for some reason. And I don't know why, but it works to my advantage. So I just use it. And (laughs) I feel like video content can be less polished than picture content because picture content is like expected to be more polished because you can edit it. You can do all this stuff to it that everyone else is doing. But video is very, it is more authentic. I guess people know it, you can't edit it. And I like that it was on TikTok because TikTok is short form. YouTube, even thinking about editing YouTube videos right now, I can't. (laughs) It's so much to do and you have to get a real editing software and you have to learn all this stuff. TikTok is literally like I'm editing on my iPhone and I just like clip, clip, clip and post it. And in terms of like logistics, that's why I chose TikTok. But in terms of growth, I also chose TikTok because there's just such a huge potential for organic growth because of the way that the platform is set Mm -hmm. up, right, with the For You page. And I found that that's where I was getting the most response. So I just decided to invest in growth there for right now. How many hours a week would you say you spend on planning TikToks, filming TikToks, and posting TikToks? I used to batch content, but I found that when I batch content, 
content wasn't that good because I would just try to think of like, I need to think of three content ideas on this weekend and film all of them. And then like, but because once you're thinking in like that high quantity, you're not focusing on each video, right? And then it's just like become less connected with your content. And so now if an idea comes to me at midnight, I'll film it. <laughs> and like that pimple patch video. <laughs> Yeah, that pimple patch video that blew up. It was like 3 a.m. I was about to put on my pimple patches and go to bed. And I was like, I'm going to film this. <laughs> like, I love it. Okay, I'm going to film it in the morning and then I'll just upload it that afternoon. I used to post every day in my growth phase because I think that that was really important. But now that I'm kind of past that threshold, I'm posting like every other day or three times a week just because I'm approaching finals week and everything. So yeah, as I said, like 12 midnight. I finished all of my homework and I just think, oh my God, I'm just going to make a video on this <laughs> and like kind of script it out and do some research, make sure my facts are right. That probably takes an hour and then I'll film it before I used to talk in my videos, like talk in the actual videos, not like a voiceover. That took so long. That took hours because I would keep saying the wrong thing or I would not like how I said it because like for some reason, like. When you see yourself talking, you're like, oh my God, why did my mouth move like that? Why did my eyebrow move like that? That's <laughs> yeah. No, that. I totally know what you mean. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So I stopped doing that. Now I just do voiceovers, right? I just quickly do the filming because the filming, I can just do one run, not say anything. And then that probably only takes half an hour. And then editing and doing the voiceover probably takes another hour. So that would be like two hours, right? So I'll go to sleep at 2 a.m. after I finish the video. And then when I wake up the next day <laughs> at like 11 a.m., I post the video and then I go to school <laughs> and then this whole cycle over again. So it's like maybe six to eight hours on content, but creating the content and editing it actually takes the least amount of time out of the total hours that it takes to be a content creator. Mm. I feel like the majority of the hours is spent on like backend stuff, like communicating with brands, mm. community management, catching up on trends, doing research on like things that you want to post. That takes the longest. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like brands reach out to you more or do you feel like you reach out to brands more? So I know I need to start reaching out to brands. I just haven't yet because as I said, I still do have a little bit of imposter syndrome. And I feel like if I were to reach out to a brand, they'd be like, who are you? Why are you coming here asking us for this collaboration? Like, I just have that anxiety. I don't know why. Because like, I think to like go reach out to a brand and put yourself out there, you kind of have to be really confident and believe in like what you do. And like, while I, I do understand that like my content does ha have impact and influence, I'm still coming to terms with that. And I'm like, like still trying to package myself up to be presentable to brands. So for right now, my relationship with brands right now is when they first reach out to me and then we go from there. But I think that's definitely something that needs to change moving forward. Here's the thing, right? Because like, I don't have a manager and many content creator friends have a manager. And so it's just easier for the relationship when your manager is the one reaching out because for some reason that relationship is just more appropriate and like because agencies already have a relationship with these brands and so the agent just reaches out like oh hey we have this talent that you know does this type of content would you be interested but like for me i feel like this lone content creator without a team mm -hmm. without a manager going into a brand's inbox and they're like who is this you know that, that that's just the anxiety that i have that i feel like i need to get yeah. over because i won't be able to like have more opportunities if i don't get over that but right now it's just brands mm -hmm. reaching out and then going from there mm -hmm. I do want to say, Roger, you're so well-spoken about how you approach brands, how you're using authenticity to kind of brand yourself. Because I feel like with your industry as well, it's so niche that you don't have a lot of other people who are going through the same thing. So how are you really learning about all of this marketing and branding? Because you can only learn so much from college, but you're really now throwing yourself in the industry and learning from the ground up. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely like being in college helps me understand a lot of the language that the agencies are using or brands are using when they reach out to me and we're discussing campaigns. I kind of understand like what your message is and how to execute that message, right? And understanding how I'm fitting into the whole marketing funnel for this brand. Those are things like I understand, but in terms of relationship building, in terms of how much I'm supposed to set my rate at, understanding social media nuances, it's like those are things that are not even online yet. You can't 
Google or you can and somebody has a course for like $500. So I'm just like, you know, I'm like, exactly. I, I, in the beginning, I like had no idea, right? And I was like so nervous talking with brands because I had no idea what I was talking about. So what's really important is just to put yourself out there and make friends in the space. Like I used to be really scared of that, but I have two really close friends now in like the content creation TikTok space who also specialize in K-beauty content, especially. And they're actually, they're both in Korea right now, but... Oh, wow. Yeah, they just both moved to Korea this month. So I'm like missing them, but they have helped me so much. It's just creating a relationship with them. And then if you're ever unsure about something or even just like speaking with them, like having a FaceTime call about random stuff. We're talking about their move to Korea, but we end up just getting on conversations about content creation and brands, or I just FaceTime them randomly and they answer. And I'm like, oh, hey, like this brand said this, like, what do you think about this? Okay, what should I say? And they're like, oh, I'm thinking this is this in my experience, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, thank you. So like, they've helped me a lot, definitely. <laughs> I guess like my parents, oh, I have like a momager, I would say. I asked like, <laughs> <laughs> ask my mom anything and like, because my mom has done owned her own business before. She like knows a little bit. She's never done influencer marketing or anything, even in the social media realm, but like she understands things about business. And so I'll ask her sometimes when I'm communicating with a brand, but it is still a lot of learning. Like you're still learning every day, especially with TikTok and like new social media platforms. It is learning every day. What is the meaning behind skincare, candles, and smiles? Do you base your content off of that? Or is that just something that you like to say about yourself that just keeps you going? So it used to be something pretentious. I think like my beauty philosophy <laughs> or something like that. And I'm just like, people are not connecting with that. Because like I started to introduce candles into my content because I am a candle junkie. I <laughs> love candles and I've spent, I am lighting a candle right now, but I've spent like way too much money. What's your favorite one? That's a good question. Okay, so there's a few favorites, but have you heard of Boy Smells? Yes. No. My best friend's also a candle junkie and she <laughs> has like all of those. Yeah, okay, so Boy Smells is a new cool girl candle brand. It's based <laughs> in LA. This is what they look like. I don't know if you've seen maybe their packaging. Oh, they're cute. Um, that is cute. We got popular because of their Kush candles. They have cannabis scented candles. Mm -hmm. And I actually got their candles in a PR package, but like they ended up being like my favorite candles out of a lot of the ones that I've burned before. This is one of my favorites. It's called Cameo. It smells mm -hmm. like it's rose, but it really just smells like a cool girl, like a cool girl's perfume. Like, I don't know. How to <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Okay, we so, need to get our hands on one. Our yeah. house is going to smell like that 24-7. Yeah, yes. I know. Like, this one's really nice. This is like a really approachable scent. I like really funky ones too, like really different. They have this Noki Fantome one. It's kind of like woody. And I, I like that one too. But <laughs> Roger, you're influencing us. <laughs> I'm sold already. <laughs> um, candles are just like, I don't know why. And especially, I think during like quarantine too, candles really got their moment because everybody's trying to create this like feeling, at, uh, this mood at, at home. And so people are buying candles as like part of self-care and everything. I'm like totally for it. I love candles. So I've been mentioning candles somewhat in my skincare videos, talking about how I include them in my rituals and my skincare routine. I want to start doing dedicated candle content. I just don't know <laughs> if my audience is ready. <laughs> like, They're ready. They're We're ready. <laughs> There's like in candle reviews. I don't know if there's a niche for that. I have a friend in like the, on TikTok too. And she like always jokes around that I'm a candle influencer because I got that PR package, that one PR package mm -hmm. from Boy Smells. But yeah, so that's that. And then uh, smiles is just because I was like, oh, that's, that's a cute third thing. And I smile. So skincare candles and smiles it is. <laughs> Speaking of your skincare routine, I would love mm -hmm. to hear what your either like your Holy Grail products are or just what you use on a daily basis. All of my skincare is in my bathroom right now, but... My current routine, well, I just finished my toner, so I'm using a new toner. I'm using this one from Cosrx, it's a Sika toner, and I've just been so obsessed with Centella Asiatica lately. Like, I want all my products to have Centella Asiatica. I'm constantly getting a bunch of products from PR, which I'm so grateful for, but, you know, because I'm always testing them out. My skin definitely has a reaction, you know? It's not like my skin just takes it all. It's definitely, like, if I'm changing on my products too much, my skin will communicate with me, like, this is overload, and it will react being inflamed. And so mm -hmm. constantly obsessed with soothing products. Anytime something says it's going to soothe my skin or calm my skin or is anti-inflammation, I'm, like, all for it. So the Sika Toner is first. Next is, I don't know if you've heard me rave about this, but I constantly am, is the Rovectin Skin Essentials Treatment Lotion. 
I, I don't know if you've seen the videos about it, but I've never heard of that. You? Not yet. I'm gonna look that up. Yeah, I'm gonna okay. add that to my routine right now, though. <laughs> yeah, it's like super, they're kind of like an indie brand, right, from Korea. So they're not one of the mainstream ones, but it's called Rovectin Skin Essentials Treatment Lotion, and it's like. I love Korean toners because they're hydrating, right? And I love toners that have that viscous consistency. You know, watery ones are nice, but I love the ones that are like have viscosity to them. Like and like milky oh, almost. Yeah. 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 Like gooey. So those are my favorite because those like really make your skin look have that <laughs> bouncy glass skin quote-unquote look but yeah it's my favorite and it has amazing ingredients too it has also has centella asiatica and niacinamide and panthenol and allantonin hyaluronic acid and if you want to get it click the link in my bio 15 percent off at stuff <laughs> or herovectin skin essentials but yeah it's pretty affordable too yeah uh-huh. sorry could you explain what centel asianica is i have no idea yeah so it's like a plant it's like a botanical extract that's really popular in korean skincare and it's commonly used if you see something that says tiger grass or sika it's also used with metacasticide i think it's like a botanical ingredient that serves anti-inflammation and has soothing properties so it's really popular in korean skincare and I kind of feel like it's making its way into Western skincare now. But, you know, Korean skincare is always kind of ahead of the game. And so we've kind of seen it trending in Korean skincare. But it's like one of my favorite ingredients for anti-inflammation. And so whenever I see it in a product, I like, I'm obsessed with it. Yeah, I have a lot of redness in my skin naturally. So that makes me think of like when the Dr. Jart Sika products are really popular, like the tiger grass. Mm-hmm. I have the, I don't even know what it's called, but it's like the more creamy one and it's green. Yeah, I think that one blew up on TikTok too. It was like neutralizing. <laughs> Do you have a favorite moisturizer or something that you use? I'm currently testing out a few different ones, but one that I've used and I was like surprisingly impressed by was Human Race by Pharrell. Oh. It's humidifying cream. It is surprisingly expensive as well. <laughs> but just because like, I, I guess celebrity brands are expensive, but just because I think the brand was sending out a lot of messages about accessibility before they launch. And I thought that was going to be reflected in prices, but they were still kind of up there. But I used the entire thing. I was like really impressed with the wow. cream and I had used it throughout the entire winter. And yeah, I just really loved it. Like I used it at night and I would wake up in the morning to go wash my face and you could still feel it as if you had just applied the moisturizer on. It, it was so trapped in moisture for that long. I haven't had many moisturizers do that. And so I just like, well, was like really impressed by it. And my skin looked great at the same time. So that's one of my favorites. The humidifying cream is great for nighttime because it's a little bit thicker and like emollient. One that for the daytime, I think I was just using like a acetophil daily hydration lotion. And that was like a sponsorship from a few months ago. Actually, mm. every sponsorship I've done, I've used the products for months and months after that. It's like crazy. I'm still using, I had never used acetophil gentle skin cleanser until like a month or two before I did the sponsorship with them because I was testing it out before deciding to take on the sponsorship. And then now it's like the only thing I've been using ever since last year. And it's crazy, but yeah. SPF. I love L to MD and they're kind of like the gold standard in my eye for SPF because they make amazing formulas and they have a high SPF rating and they have basically done a process to micronize their zinc so that you're still getting a mineral sunscreen, but you're not getting a white cast. That comes at a price, right? Research and development comes at a price. So it's like, I try to find alternatives. <laughs> Good alternatives may be Bliss. Their Blockstar sunscreen is great. Full transparency. I'm on contract with them. Just want to be FTC compliant. And then <laughs> Coco Kind also makes a good one. Coco Kind has their daily SPF. That one does have a slight tint to it, but it's not as bad. And I think for all of you guys, since you guys have fair skin tones, it won't be bad. But those are like two drugstore alternatives that I think are good for a mineral sunscreen, right? If you're looking for a chemical sunscreen, it's definitely easy to find one that does not have a white cast and has good protection like the one from La Roche-Posay, the Tolarian Double Repair Moisturizer with SPF, or any other chemical sunscreen. It's not going to have a white cast. I think that due to recent controversy with Korean sunscreen, a lot of people have been apprehensive to get other ones from like K-Beauty. I don't know if you've heard about the thing with Perito and Keep Cool. Do they use lightning 
What's so controversial? I'm just guessing here, not knowing anything, but I could have. Oh, no. Okay, so basically it was because one thing that was very revolutionary about Korean sunscreen is that they were able to offer such a high SPF rating, which was 50. Most of them were offering, yet having essentially no white cast and being completely transparent. And so a lot of people were very impressed. They were buying. Perito was the top selling Korean sunscreen because of this. It was at an SPF 50 and it had no white cast. And controversy unfolded. It's so weird to call it controversy, but I don't know. People were calling it a scandal. And I was like, it's not that serious. Like, <laughs> I was like, Whoa. what had happened is that an independent lab had done an in vitro study test of the sunscreen and found out that it actually did not have the SPF rating that it had advertised to have. It only had like 19, I think. And, you know, most people would prefer a sunscreen with SPF 30 because even though SPF 15 is what we really need, we're not applying enough sunscreen. If you get an SPF 15, you're probably not applying enough sunscreen to have SPF 15 protection, which is the scientifically needed amount or like supported by data needed amount. And so usually SPF 30 is like the sweet minimum spot to have sunscreen. And so SPF 19 is already really low, but like regardless, because they were advertising 50 and 19, that discrepancy was a huge deal for a lot of people, especially people who burn easily. And so a lot of people now are apprehensive of using Korean skincares that have clinical trials from this one lab in Korea. But one Korean sunscreen that I can recommend and that I know has been tested is from Crave, which is the Beat Shield. And that one also has an SPF 50 and no white cast. And so that one was a great one to use as well. Do you think eye cream actually helps for dark under eye circles? Or do you think getting fillers or sleeping more is the only way to lighten them? Okay, I use eye cream, but I don't use it for my dark circles. I just use eye cream to help hydrate my under eyes, which can help with fine lines and things like that. And it can help with the appearance of dark circles, but being 100% honest, I have not found a single eye cream that actually helps with dark circles. And I think that's just because like, it's not possible. Like if your dark circles are a result of pigment, yeah, okay, you can find an eye cream that's going to help. Find something with vitamin C, vitamin K, alpha arbutin, or with a practitioner overseeing, you can use hydroquinone. Those are things that you can use to lighten pigment under the eye, but usually that's genetic. If it's like dark under eye circles from lack of sleep or hollowness, you're not going to find an eye cream that's going to help with that. And I, I always tell people that. People are like, what? That's a number one question people ask me. Like when I drop into a clubhouse room, they're like, oh, I saw your skincare influencer. What can I do about my dark circles? Um, and I'm like, you can't, no, there's nothing you can do. <laughs> In terms of like topical skincare, like over the counter skincare, there's very few solutions for you. And like, that's just being honest, you know, you have to either catch up on sleep or you have to get filler. There's no, there's no way around it. <laughs> there's no skincare product that's going to automatically like give you volume under your eyes, you know, build up a, a loss of fat. <laughs> yeah. It's just not possible. Yeah. On the note of dark circles, do you think caffeine solutions actually work? Because I saw a TikTok that said, if you pinch your under eye and like the pigment mm -hmm. goes away, it just means you're tired and you need caffeine solution. So I've been using the ordinaries and I personally have not seen any difference over the past few months. So I just want to know your opinion. Yeah. So caffeine solution, I think it helps more with like puffy eyes in the morning just because it helps with blood circulation. Right. And so mm. I guess like getting something to get your blood circulating helps with depuffing your eyes and also brightening it it definitely does help because it helps with stimulating that but it's like a cosmetic fix usually the cause of our dark circles is because a loss of fat in the patch under our eyes and that's just not something that like a caffeine solution can help with but a caffeine solution can help temporarily with getting that blood moving and slightly brightening under your eyes got it are you still working at your internship or you're done fully? No, I left that before I started my senior year. Because like there was a time when I was doing school, my internship and content creation. I was like, I can't do this. Like, I'm going to die. But then I started doing my internship junior year fall. So then like it was basically a whole year. And then I ended this fall, senior year. And then I've just been doing school and content creation. Mm -hmm. After graduation, what's next for you? I already had the talk with my parents about moving forward with content creation as something full-time after I graduate from school. And they've been accepting of it because it is relevant to like my professional career, at least. So that's what I'm planning to do, just like working on diversifying and growing my platforms on social media. You know, who knows? 
you know, I'm, I'm constantly like when you're working in social media and like you're doing contract work, you're constantly thinking of so many paths that you can take because you're like, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to have to do this. And there's definitely an anxiety of like, what happens if I do this and it doesn't work out? Will I be accepted back into the corporate world or how accepting will they be if they see like on my resume, like you were doing what for two years? You're on TikTok, like, you know, and so that definitely scares me, but <laughs> just like doing it now. Roger, do you want to rate our skincare routines? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> I don't want to be the person who has all this authority to rate a skincare routine. No, tell me if our routine sucks. We yeah, want to know. No, please. <laughs> Not until I went to New York, met them and my other friends. I was using water even all through Riverside. I was just splashing water in my face and I'm like, go to sleep. And then when they got here, they're like, do you even know what cleanser is? I was like, oh. <laughs> but you, you had great skin even then. And they met you at Rev. You still have yeah. like great skin. Mm-hmm. Thank you, genetics. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like not a lot of people say that, but a lot of the skincare are people with nice skin. It's more so genetics than it really is. Like, Lifestyle products. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He wants to be vulnerable first. I would say Jackie and I actually have pretty similar skincare yeah. routines right now because April is my I'm supplier. Her, I'm her beauty, <laughs> because like, I kind of work in the beauty industry too, and through work, I get products. Oh, mm-hmm. So a lot of the products I use are ones that I've gone from work. My favorite toner right now and cleanser aren't from work. It's from Mamonde, which is a Korean beauty brand too. Which brand again? It's called Mamonde, M-A-M-O-N-D-E. I feel like I've heard of it before. Yeah, they have this rose toner that I just really like. I've been using that too. It's not the viscous type toner like you mentioned earlier. It's more of the watery kind. It smells like rose. It just makes my skin feel so moisturized. But I recommend it to a friend, actually. And I, I think she has sensitive skin and the fragrance is too much for her. I find it really refreshing. So yeah, it's like, really depends. And then as a serum, I've been using the Tatcha Dewy Serum. They're my client. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's new. It came out like, I think one or two months ago, but it's my favorite. I think it smells great. Yeah. And the way that it feels on my skin when I apply it too, it was really nice. There's like hyaluronic acid in it. And I think like lactic acid in it too. And then after that, I love the fresh. Oh, that's so good. It's I like the that. fresh youth preserve lotus moisturizer. Is that mm-hmm. what's called? The night and day cream. Oh my god, it smells so good. The first time I opened it, my initial thought was it smells like green juice, but in the best way. Yeah, yeah. I love it. And then because I've also tried a youth to the people moisturizer. I think it was the greens one. I think it's the kale one. Mm-hmm. I hate the way that smells. I'm like, this mm-hmm. smells like. I'm in the produce aisle at Ralph's or something and like not in a good way. So I was like, I can't use this anymore. And I went back yeah. to the fresh one, but that one's been really great. Um, and I know that Jockey's been using it too. So yeah. like, I'm using room. everything basically <laughs> what April's doing. And I love it. I usually go through a lot of products, mm-hmm. but then the fresh cream one, after I did it, I was like, wait, so I would good. buy this again. And I think that's when you know is when you hit the bottom, then you'll want to repurchase that product. That's when you know that's a good one. Yeah. I actually got the Dewey Serum, the Touch of Dewey Serum in PR a few months ago. I just haven't tried it yet. But like, since you said it's so great, I might like open it up because I really like it. I've been looking for a new serum, but that fresh lotus cream. Oh my gosh. Oh my, like I've repurchased that. I have repurchased that because like, (laughs) it's so good. It is so good. And like, yeah, it smells really good. And I think smells still something that's really important to me. And like, as long as fragrance is not irritating me, if something smells good, I'm going to use it. Like this big push for fragrance free has hive a bone to pick with it. But like, that's a whole other thing. Now it's like, you know, things are smelling too natural. This is smelling too primitive <laughs> like smelling like grass <laughs> it's not a good smell the, the you to the people moisturizer it smells like grass <laughs> and i'm pretty sure they put fragrance in it too so i'm like did you put fragrance in this to make it smell like grass, smell like grass. Like, i don't know about that like the coco kind chlorophyll mask it smells like wheatgrass or something or like it's like very raw and i'm just like this smells like fertilizer <laughs> like, and <laughs> oh my gosh good like i need you to mask this please but yeah, smell is something that I feel like is really important to me. And I think it's still something that's really important to the mass market right now. And I think like customers are totally entitled and justified to have one something that smells good for them, especially if your skincare routine is something that is an experience and you want it to be something enjoyable. I will pay if something smells better. Like I will. But yeah, <laughs> that sounds like a great routine and like something that's super, it sounds like a super dewy routine, like glass skin. I have really dry skin. Mm-hmm. So I think that's part of why the fresh moisturizer just really works for me. Because kind of like how you mentioned earlier with the Pharrell moisturizer, like when I wake up in the morning, it still feels like 
I just put it on and it feels nice. And yeah. even when I wash my face, like it doesn't have that yucky feeling. Yeah, definitely. I've been honestly really slacking on my skincare the past year or so since the pandemic really started. So you might hate my skincare routine because there is not too much scent involved. But <laughs> I use these. Is it CeraVe or CeraVe? I just say CeraVe. Oh, that might be it. <laughs> okay. CeraVe. I'm wrong both ways. <laughs> I, use, I say Syrah, but CeraVe, I use their hydrating facial cleanser just because like, I don't know why, but it's been really working for me. There's mm -hmm. not too much scent in it. And it just, I have really dry skin. So it's been making me feel really good even when I'm washing. And then I use the ordinary caffeine solution under my eyes mm -hmm. and that rose water toner that April mentioned. I got it after her and Stacy were talking about how it either worked or didn't. And I was like, I'm just going to test it and see it for myself. And it works fine for me. And then I also use the CeraVe. CeraVe? Now I'm like self-conscious. <laughs> I think it's because the brand is super focused on ceramides, the ingredient. Ah. All their products always highlight like how they have these essential ceramides. And so that's kind of their whole like brand thing. So Got it. it's CeraVe. Yeah. But I'm not sure. Okay. I'm going to go with really... you. But I use their daily moisturizing lotion in mm -hmm. the morning with SPF 30. And then at night, I just use their like night stuff. Yeah. Mine's very like drugstore friendly. <laughs> Do you find that, that the morning one with SPF has a white cast? A little bit, but I haven't like been influenced to buy anything else. So that's what I've been using in the mornings and it's just so easily accessible. That's what mm -hmm. I've been using. But to be honest, I haven't been really taking pictures or anything. So it hasn't really affected me, but I'm sure there is definitely a white cast. Okay. Yeah. I, like, I mean, as long as it's good for you. I just like, when I first started using it, I had a, a bad white cast. And I think that's just because like, oh. I'm a little deeper skin tone. Uh -huh. And I pilled, like I, I had a pilling problem. Oh, what? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh my so, gosh. I have not had that issue, but good to know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's fine. Then, like if, if, if you're not having an issue with it, that's perfect. And if it works for you, then that's like great too. What was the pilling like? When I would like put it on, it would be the white cast. And then I would start just getting these white buildup of like, oh my gosh. on like the side of my face, especially like near my hairline. And then I would try to rub it out mm. and it would start worse. Good to know. Hey, Roger, you mentioned the Elta MD sunscreen earlier. I was in a clubhouse room and someone also recommended it. Are you talking about like the tinted one or are they all tinted or because the one that they talked about on the clubhouse was the tinted version. So I was looking into that. Yeah, their most popular sunscreen is the UV clear and then there's a UV clear tinted, but the tint is not for deeper skin Asians and darker skin tones of any race. They're meant for like fairer skin tones. So I think they'll work out for fairer skin tones, but I haven't really used a lot of tinted sunscreen, but their most popular is the UV clear, but it's $46 for one ounce, which is insane. <laughs> and so I use their UV shield, <laughs> which is their face and body sunscreen, but the formulations are basically the same or similar. It's not like their sunscreen for your body is different than the, for the face. And that one, it doesn't come out clear, but it still doesn't have a horrible white cast on the face after it's rubbed in. And even for somebody like me, who is a darker Asian. And the thing is, because it's made for the face and body, it is five or six ounces for the same price, $46. Oh, oh mm -hmm. that's a good hack to know. Yeah, and so it still comes out to $9 or $8 an ounce, which is kind of like on par with some sunscreens at the drugstore, but it's like Elta MD, you know? So I'm like, that's like what I use. And like, I recommend it to people because it lasts so long too. I think like a lot of people like the UV clear because it is completely clear, but it's just not accessible for a lot of people. Okay, I'm going to look into that because I've been on the market for a new sunscreen. I've been using the Biore. It's like the Biore from Asia one. I don't even know. Yeah, the very popular one. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Yeah, I like it, but it kind of smells like alcohol to me. Oh. Like I like the texture, but when it's on my face, I feel like it smells like alcohol. And I'm like, I don't know why. The one I was using before that was like a Dr. Jartland. Mm. And that was great. You know how sometimes certain sunscreens have kind of like a mattifying feel? Mm. Like it's not mattifying, but it feels like it is. Like you know it's mm. on. Like that one had that. And I that probably would annoy some people, but I personally really like that feeling. So that was also a good one. Then you would really like the L to MDUV clear. <laughs> that one is, it is mattifying. I'm not sure if this applies just because I think there's some exclusions to my coupon code. I'll have to see. I'll have to check in. But Skin Store, which is a company I'm affiliated with or have an affiliate link with, they're having their anniversary sale starting March 9th, I believe. And they're having like markdowns on a lot of their products plus an additional 10% off if you use my code. Roger. Mm. <laughs>
I'm going to look into this. <laughs> yeah. We will be mass ordering using your code. <laughs> but I'm I'm not sure if it applies to L to MD. Like sometimes there are exclusions. I'm just mm-hmm. not sure if like it applies to their sale, but they do sell L to MD sunscreen and that UV clear is like everything you're describing that you like about a sunscreen, you would find in that one. But it just it's just like, oh, $46. Look, it's worth it, I guess. <laughs> it's sunscreen. It's it's arguably one of the most important steps of your skincare routine. And you know, if we're already spending yeah. close to 40 upwards of $50 on like one ounce moisturizer, I, I think it's important to invest in a sunscreen because that's really what's protecting everything else. Because you talk about formulation a lot. Is there ingredients that we should stay away from? Because I think starting off as a beginner going into skincare, there's so much information. You're like, I'll just buy whatever looks good. And sometimes whatever you're using, it's really bad for your skin. So is there any ones that are like, if you see it, just don't buy this or any products you're like, it's going to ruin your skin. Because even like the witch hazel toner, I know people were raving about that. And then next you hear it's like, why the Yeah. Like, why are you using this on your face? So I think like that. Another part of that is there's certain greens that you shouldn't use together mm-hmm. that people also don't know about. Yeah, I think that's like important for people to know. This is like a whole <laughs> other conversation I want to talk about because, well, first off on Witch Hazel, after doing my research on Witch Hazel, it's really been antagonized by the skincare industry. Full disclosure, I did do a sponsorship with Bayer's a few months back. Like through that, I was able to learn so much. Whenever I work with brands, I like email them. I'm like, can you ask your research department this question? Because I saw this and I want to know what their opinions are on this. And like, I did that with theirs and they had given me so much information. They had cited studies and like, I read up on them and I did a lot of more research and I had to listen to what the actual professionals were saying, cosmetic chemists were saying, and it wasn't as bad as people were making it out to be or as a particular brand had made it up. There is a brand out there that has an ingredient dictionary that a lot of beginner or uneducated skincare consumers use to consult on skincare ingredients. And I have a bone to pick with them, but they're very popular. And you've probably heard of them before. And if you search an ingredient, they're probably one of the first websites that pop up that is going to give you like a consumer rundown of an ingredient. They need to clean up some things on their end. Because if you read what they say, and then you cross reference that with the studies that they're citing, there's a huge discrepancy. It's like, where did this information come from? Because I had done that with one of their ingredient dictionary articles. And I had read through all of the studies that they cited. And it's like, it's like when you're writing an essay in college, and you just write a bunch of random stuff. And then you're just like, I need to find a source for this. And you just go on some random website. And you're like, Oh, that kind of is related. I'm going to use this as my source. Like what you do for your college essays, that's what this brand is doing. And like, I still love a lot of their products. You know, a lot of their products work. It's not like their entire ingredient dictionary is BS, but there are some things that are just like, when you actually read the studies they're citing, like there's, they're not actually basing anything off of that. They're just using that to like make themselves seem like they've done some research, but there's a huge discrepancy between that information. And so it has a snowball effect because this is what consumers are looking at. This is what uneducated consumers are looking at. And sometimes this is what content creators are looking at and the type of rhetoric that they're echoing in their content. And like, it just becomes this huge cycle and this snowball. And now all of a sudden this ingredient that had no harm and dermatologists and cosmetic chemists know that have no harm, all of a sudden has this huge smear campaign in the skincare industry because it's been echoed by brands. It's been echoed by content creators and now consumers because those are who they're listening to the most having this opinion about it. And so same thing goes for parabens, right? Everybody thinks parabens are endocrine disruptors and can cause breast cancer. And like when you look back at the original study that had kind of triggered this whole thing, you see that all the the breast tissue that they had tested in that study has already been affected with cancerous cells. And like people didn't take that into account. And then like even the researcher who had run the original study came out and said after like, oh no, people are misconstruing my information. But At that point, it had already gone out everywhere and brands were already picking it up and like using it in their marketing. While watching out for ingredients and clean beauty had good intentions in the beginning, the movement has been entirely hijacked to now become this fear-mongering machine that has just driven even more consumerism in the skincare space. And it's this thing I can talk hours and hours about, but basically... I don't think that there should be any singular ingredient that should be antagonized because it really all comes down to the formulation. And as April was saying, right, some ingredients that can't be mixed with other ingredients, that's really what it comes down to. It's not like any ingredient is inherently bad on its own or skincare ingredients, right? Like, okay, I'm just going to talk about this too. Like a lot of brands use this as their selling point. They talk about there are 13 hundred banned ingredients in the EU 
but there's only 30 banned in America. Why is that? Like, we need to do better. And like, when you cross-reference these ingredients- You are like preaching to the choir right now because I worked for a brand that is a clean brand and they were using scare tactics to try to sell their own brand. And I had so many ethical issues about it, but I couldn't do anything because they were my clients. So yes, you're totally preaching to the choir right now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I I feel the same dilemma when clean beauty brands reach out to me and I'm like, but on your website, you said this, like, explain that to me. (laughs) Like, you know, before I decide to work with you, yeah, like when you cross-reference those ingredients, the ones that are banned in the EU and the ones that are banned in America, like the ones that are banned in the EU include jet fuel, arsenic. And those are things that they're not even, they're not banned in the US because they have never even been used in a skincare context in the US. You know what I mean? So it's like, because the EU just goes that extra step to ban these ingredients that are not even in the skincare context, it makes people think that there are now a thousand ingredients that are banned in the EU that are being used in the US when that's not the case at all. And so it's just a lot of fear mongering. And just to sell more product really is what it is. I think that brands are starting to take note of that. And like, there are some clean beauty brands that are really sticking to what it means to be clean, which is in my eyes to be sustainable and not natural because sometimes natural isn't sustainable you know farming is sometimes not sustainable it takes a lot of water it takes a lot of land the labor that it takes to grow these entire fields of quote-unquote natural products it takes a lot of resources and then packaging is a whole other thing but i don't want to get into all that but to answer your question no there are not ingredients that you should be afraid of always everything should be in the context of that formulation which is challenging, I know, as a consumer. It's not easy to understand, but it's it's very complex. The issue is very complex. I definitely think that like the reason why people had used ingredients is because it's something that a consumer can easily recognize on an ingredients list and be like, okay, maybe I shouldn't use this. But yeah, if you have dry skin, you don't want to use something that has isopropyl alcohol or denatured alcohol in it. But if you have oily skin, sometimes that's not a problem. And especially if it's all the way on the bottom of the ingredients list, that might not be a problem for somebody with dry skin either. And like, it's because people were spreading this rumor that companies only use alcohol because it gives you the sensation of having matte skin, but it's actually damaging your skin barrier. And it got a lot of people scared when no, like alcohol can actually be used sometimes to help skincare ingredients penetrate. It can be helped to stabilize a formulation. It can be used to like infuse better into a formulation. Like those are not things people know. People just know what is sensational and what gets clicks on social media. And so that's why they're so like scared of it all. (sighs) It's like something every day I think content creators are trying to be more conscious of, but a really big conversation on its own. And this is just like a little spiel about it, but I'm really passionate about it too. (laughs) That's why I'm like fine with skincare that smells good. Like masking fragrance is not bad. I'm like, Sometimes fragrance is not just fragrance. Sometimes fragrance includes proprietary ingredients that a skincare brand doesn't want to be copied or replicated. And they use, they just hide it under the fragrance name so that it becomes a trade secret to them. But it's a whole other thing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for no, that. That was really good. Yeah. Yeah. That was very informative. Yeah. Coming as a consumer, you're like, oh, what's like the easiest way to buy all these products, put them on my skin, but find what's bad or good. But It's really just, if you're going to spend this much money to help your skin, you do have to put the research in and find out like what's the best for me. And it's nice to know that's like not, this is good. This is bad. It's no, do the research and whatever's best for your skin is good. Yeah. Cause something that's good for you doesn't mean it's going to work for someone else. Mm -hmm. Like a toner that Jojo and I really like, but Stacey can't, her skin can't take it. Yeah. And like, listen to multiple resources. So I think like, it's really easy as a consumer. And even for me, when I was starting off is just clicking on the first link and then like reading that because like, there are so many chemists with blogs and they end up at the bottom because of SEO, right? And like, you don't see them on the first few pages of Google, but they're the actual experts, not brands, you know, but because brands just have this power in like AdWords, they end up being the first ones that you see on Google. And it's like, oh my God, you know, EKG, I used to look at them all the time for like consulting on skincare ingredient safety, but even they now Sephora is using EWG to like certify their skincare products. You know what I mean? And it doesn't mean anything because brands basically lobby. They pay EWG a lot of money to certify their products. So it's like, what does that even mean anymore? The, uh, what do you call that? Emblem. That emblem doesn't signify anymore. It's like EWG yeah. certified. Yeah. Yeah. And then like advocacy groups that are connected to EWG are like anti-vax. 
Yeah, the brand that I will not name that I was working for and with, they I'm pretty sure their founders are anti-vax. So that also was hard to deal with every single day. Yeah. It made me think of like the PETA Bunny Approved or whatever it's called. I feel like that probably has a similar like mm-hmm. lobbying background behind that as well. Because consumers see that and they're like, there's a cute bunny, like cool. That means that it's X, Y, Z, but it's like, what does it actually mean? I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Because there are so many different meanings of clean now too. And anti-vax, it's like, it's crazy how those things are connected. But like, I had made a video jumping on a trending sound, but like making it my own in the skincare space, talking about chemicals and skincare. And somebody had responded saying like, oh, why are you like making like these videos? Like it's just skincare. It's not just skincare. You think it's just skincare, but it's not just skincare because the language that brands use and the rhetoric that they use to as fear mongering, all natural. You cannot use chemicals. You cannot use things made in a lab. Like it affects consumers, not just in skincare, because these are things that come from skincare brands, but affect consumers' behavior and purchasing decisions everywhere else. Now they're scared of buying foods that have quote unquote organic or natural. And now they're like, oh, wait. Brands are lying to me. I can't believe brands. It's like the institutions that support brands. It becomes this huge conspiracy theory that like these skincare brands are lying to you. And then you become more vulnerable to believing conspiracy theories. And then you become an anti-vaxxer. And so like it's connected, it snowballs. And I think that that's something that people in clean beauty have to take accountability for. Like this rhetoric that you're spreading about being all natural and brands are lying to you. And the government institutions that are meant to regulate skincare are lying to you, it affects consumers and it influences them in like not a good way. It it has real world implications. It's not just in skincare, even though it starts in the skincare community, it snowballs. And so that's why it's like important for me to call it out when you see it, even if you think it's just skincare, like you, you have to call it out. That reminds me of the Devil Wears Prada when she's holding up the two belts and they're like, they're both just blue. (laughs) She was like, honey, no. (laughs) I know it's the small decisions that are made in this room is like affects everything, like affects everyone. It's like crazy. Do you want to tell the audience where to find you? Yeah, for sure. I've definitely had a lot of fun speaking with you guys as well, talking about being a content creator and navigating the space. You can find me on all platforms. Instagram, TikTok, Clubhouse is all at Roger WH0 or Roger Who. If you are looking into skincare, if you want to, you know, check out any of the skincare products that I mentioned or we mentioned in this podcast, you can click on the link in my bio. <laughs> and if you do want to, my coupon code, and I have included it on my link tree, I like let you know what my coupon code is. It is an affiliate link, but it does benefit both of us because you'll be getting a percentage off. And FTC disclosure, I do get a commission off of that. Get your coins. I not lead you to go purchase if I didn't truly love the products. Don't buy everything just to support me. Actually buy the products that are good for you. And if there is one product that I would want anyone to buy walking away from this podcast. It is the Rovectin Skin Essentials Treatment Lotion. That's like, it's like my favorite. I cannot mention it. I'm going to get it too. I'm going to get it. (laughs) And that's like something that similar to April, I got when I was working at a Korean beauty agency. Like my manager sent that to me even before I started doing content creation. It's like a product I've been using for the longest and I just like cannot. It's amazing. Love that. Thank you so much, Roger, for being on our podcast with us and discussing everything skincare and the industry and just being very transparent about the ins and outs of the background that people don't see. And we loved having you on. Honestly, this was a great time talking to you. Thank you so much, Roger. And thank you for coming. Thank you. I'm going to try out the Rubectin product and let you know what I think. Too. <laughs> yeah, for sure.